Geekscapists, I got a treat for you guys right now. Uh, Kieran Foy's got a new movie. It's coming out theatrically first. Uh-huh, on November 9th. November 9th. The movie's called Citadel. I watched it last week. So okay. How would you describe the movie to the Geekscape audience? I would describe the movie as a sort of... Uh, it's a psychological horror about a, a, an agoraphobic single father who has to save his daughter from the clutches of a gang of twisted feral kids. Um, and it's kind of it's something that I you know, also sort of describe as a, a sort of a half psychological horror, half autobiography. Um, so because just in the sense that you know the the um, when I was eighteen, I was I was the victim of a pretty vicious and unprovoked attack. By really, a gang of youths. Yeah, um, I was beaten with a hammer, and I had a dirty syringe held to my throat. And uh, so. They didn't like the scariest part of it was that they didn't want anything. They didn't take anything from me. They just wanted to inflict terror. It was just for kicks, yeah. So, um, but what they left me with was this trauma that eventually became uh, agoraphobia, uh, which is something that I battled with in my late teens and early twenties, and I was housebound for a time. So, 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 yeah, it was kind of my 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 I guess my struggles with that and my eventual recovery from that, mixed with my nightmares and paranoid. Imaginations that that ultimately gave birth to to Citadel, and uh, now the movie guys, uh, as if that's not reason enough to go see the movie. Uh, the movie it, it it won the Midnight Award at mm-hmm. South by Southwest. That's my hometown. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. Why don't we hang oh, out? Really why, awesome. why didn't we hang yeah. out? Uh, why didn't you call me? Um, <laughs> it won the Midnight Award, so you get the endorsement of a lot of uh, film festival fiends uh, there. But I saw the movie last week, and the. What you do really well, and I don't think a lot of filmmakers do it well enough, is the way that you silently give information with very small camera moves. Usually you get like the insecure filmmaker who's like, here, I'm going to throw you some information that's crucial. Right. It's very important. Here's a big camera move. Mm-hmm. And what you do, and you do in that very first shot, is the drop of the, le- uh, drop of the number on the door, uh-huh. door opens, couple steps out. Drop to the show that she's pregnant. Yeah, pull out, and, and you're doing that throughout the. And then, then in the in the scene of horror, a couple moments later, uh-huh. the reveal of the syringe. Yeah, because what happens in the opening of the movie, guys? I'll just tell you real quick: is um, happily married couple. They're moving out of this uh, tenement house that's about to be uh, um, basically uh, closed down, and. Uh, the main character brings some stuff down to the car. He goes back up to get his pregnant wife, and he's trapped in the elevator as he looks out through the elevator window and notices these feral youths attacking his wife. He breaks through the, the door of the elevator just in time to get to her as she's been beaten, and she later falls into a coma. And with this camera reveal, you drop down, and you see this syringe sticking into her pregnant belly, and it's horrifying. Right. It's so horrifying. And this happened to you. Not the pregnant belly part, Not the but pregnant the belly part. was threatened with a syringe that could have had yeah. anything in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of, it's one of those things that I guess it's, it's in a strange way, I'd almost rather be threatened with a gun or a knife because, you know, one prick off something like that, and, you know, you're waiting six months on tests. Yeah, you don't know, you know if it's, whatever it is. Exactly, yeah, it, yeah. Wow. And it's something that happens at home quite a bit. In Dublin. Know, in terms of, yeah, I mean, we don't have much gun crime, in, you know, in terms of uh, sort of, you know, people use the threat of having infected blood in a syringe, you know, right. and that's just... It's really still, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah. But, but the, so the movie, the, the beginning of the movie, guys, uh, if that's not enough to get you to watch this movie, said it all. Um, I, I think that the, the way the camera reveals information, like, shows a developed, a really well-developed, like, knowledgeable, sort of, like, director. Right. Like, like you get so. it. Like, you get the language. Uh-huh. Um, how much of that came on the day? How much of it was all planning? What's your process like? Because you wrote the script as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wrote the script. Um, 
Well, I like to sort of give myself rules whenever I go in to direct anything. And for this, to sort of um, what I wanted to do was to, you know, have a have a lot of sort of continued takes. You know, that I didn't, you know, just want to. You don't want to break it. Snippets of information, yeah, which also, you know, also sort of helps with the. You know, whenever Tommy's feeling anxious or 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 paranoid, the camera continues; it doesn't break, which is kind of like, I guess, sort of reflects reality in the, in the sense you don't get a chance to blink. Your producers um, and your actors love you because you're not interrupting their performances, and producers are like, "Man, he's getting a whole scene <laughs> uh-huh. in one take, and then we can move on. We yeah. don't have to shoot coverage and sure. things, things that usually up the budget or, uh-huh. or delay uh-huh. delay the production." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes a little bit of time to get that dance between the actor and the camera, right? You know. Yeah. Focus-wise and stuff, but but um, the uh, so I had that rule. I also had the rule of, of you know I would never cut to anything that that Tommy could not see. You mm. know, so I have this sort of I really wanted this to be a subjective experience. You know, even sonically, that we'd see and hear and experience the world through Tommy. You know, so I wanted to put the audience into the head of an agoraphobic, um, and so you know that that dictated a lot of you know camera stuff that you know I would stay shoulder height the whole way through there was never going to be any crane moves or anything mm. like that and it ultimately I guess tied into my my overall philosophy which is that I find sometimes the more polished a horror film is the less scary it is yes you know um, my, my some of my favorite horrors are from the 70s when just the raw quality of, yeah. of shooting it there's no sort of many of them shot on 16 and they're just yeah. holding the camera exactly themselves, yeah, yeah. And it's also the relatability of, of something, you know, where, you know, a lot of, when you when you have something over-polished with, you know, a lot of VFX in it, and there's a little bit of a distance there of, you know, of, of you know, well, I, I doubt I'm going to see a creature walking with, you know, <laughs> right. nine hands on the ground or whatever it is. Yeah. But, but, but I could imagine somebody standing outside my front door, you know, mm-hmm. or, or I could imagine, you know, a, a, a syringe on my carpet and how the hell did that get there? And so, yeah, just to sort of, pair it back to, to, to the raw emotion as much as possible. Now, uh, you were saying that you wanted Tommy, the main character, to in what he witnessed, whether he heard it or, or saw it, to dictate mm-hmm. your camera moves. But I was having this conversation with our buddy Brian over at Shark Till You Drop earlier today. Yeah. Via Twitter. Do you do the Twitter? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll tweet. Uh, <laughs> and, and we were having this conversation because we were talking about the movie, and um, I wanted to know... Uh, you know, and the only way to get this answer is to have the director here. I wanted to know how much of it was literal. Tommy is seeing it, is feeling it. And how much of it was projections of his internal, you know, fear? Because because once once you get later on in the movie, these feral kids start taking on they start taking on traits that may not be natural, may maybe exaggerations built upon his own yeah. internal, like the fragmentation of his, of his system. Sure, sure. So it, especially, the, and it all starts getting triggered in that scene where he starts boarding up his own house. Yeah. This and that. He doesn't know if he's, what he's seeing is real. Yeah. Um, what, what are the rules there that you gave yourself? Uh-huh. You know well, what I mean? Well, I kind of, you know, on the whole, I saw the whole movie as a, as a nightmare that Tommy's continually trying to wake up from. That's kind of how I approached it in terms of, you know, conversations to do with, you know, um, to do with sound design, to do with, you know, that, that this was a, a kind of a, a world where where um, we would, certainly for the her- first half of the film, there would be that ambiguity of, of you know, is this, is this all in his head? Is this real? You know, and then we have a scene where, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. No, 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 let's not spoil it. A scene where something happens where it's like, oh, no, this is real. Right. And, and, and there was even a character who says, 
like that didn't happen, but you've set that character up to be possibly not even trustworthy, or what, whatever uh-huh. comes out of his mouth may not be something that you would take literal. Sure. Maybe maybe he's crazy yeah. as he's thrown. Uh-huh. So even if he tells Tommy, oh, that didn't happen, that's all in your head, you got to get over your fear, you still don't have any safe place to stand on sure. in that perspective. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, so so the script, guys, I gotta, I'm just going to keep selling you guys on this movie. Welcome to Plugscape. But really, like, the only reason we did this is I saw the movie and I was like, yeah, yeah, let's get him on here. I, I have a lot of cool stuff to talk to him about because I really like this movie. Um, in, in a way, that, that that is that dance between the script. That, and that's why the, I think that, that script really works is you <laughs> throw something out like that but you do not spell it out for us. And there's so many filmmakers who spell that stuff out for us or take that gift away from us, that, yes. that gift of conversation after the movie. Yeah, uh, that's a big thing for me. I, I, I kind of, I feel so many horror films over-explain things, you know. And, and to the point that, you know, like for example, I mean, I, mean, I sort of experienced it firsthand in the sense that, you know, the guys who, who, who beat me, like I say, you know, they didn't, they didn't, did you catch these guys? Did no. anybody catch these guys? No, no. I mean, they had hoods on. I couldn't see their faces. All right, listeners, just, if you're just... any of these guys, listen, <laughs> we're going to we're gonna find you. All right? We're going to find you. We're going to get our British friends over there. And we're, I, mean, I know i got British listeners. We're going to go over there. We're going to find you. You're well, laughing the, now. The, I mean, the, 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 I guess, you know, it's kind of, for me, it was the same. You know, when you know the whys and the hows, yes. something happens. You know, no matter how nonsensical it may seem, you can eventually make a peace with it. Right? Yes. But when you never know why, when something seems so random and you can't reason with it. It's senseless. Yeah. It's and the that's, definition of senseless. It's, yeah. the, it's also the definition in the, of, of, of the darkness, right? It's yeah. the manifestation of, 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 of dark. And, and, and to me, that's the embodiment of terror is, is, is you know, not knowing. And, and so... Because the movie gets crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you don't answer the question. Exactly, yeah. And what I wanted to do was to sort of, I mean, I had, you know, certainly in terms of the antagonists of the film and the, and the feral kids and stuff, I had this entire history written about them and how they operated and the mythology behind that. And what I wanted to do was to sort of just leave little breadcrumbs for people to, you know, hypothesize and to talk about afterwards. Because when everything, anything sort of neatly packaged up and wrapped up, I often find that when I leave the theater, I forget about the movie. Yes. You know, because, you know, everything's sort of, you know, come to a sense of closure. But when, when you feel that, you know, even when people sound frustrated, like, I don't even know what the hell these guys were doing, or, you know, it's like there's an anxiety behind that frustration, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that is, you know, something that I wanted to, to, yeah, certainly wanted to keep right until the end. So, you, you know, you've, got, you've, you've only got little things to go on. Right up until the end afterwards. I'm still talking about it. You know okay. what I mean? Like, you're still okay. thinking about the movie. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I think it's an insecure move for a filmmaker to give us those answers. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. say, say what you will about certain, even, like, really well-respected Hollywood directors who work in this genre or work in the action genre or, or you know, they, 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 it, it's either insecurity or ego that they need the audience to know everything. Yeah. And it takes that gift of conversation, of exploration, of... Yeah of community yeah. away from it I think they actually hurt their films because their films only live for those two hours exactly instead yeah. of living forever now my question for you is as someone who dealt with this agoraphobia dealt with this awful situation and the insecurities that come with it why are you so secure as a filmmaker <laughs> what the hell did you, like like what therapist or whatever did you because like, I was saying earlier this is a secure like that you're a strong secure filmmaker in, in your camera in, the, in your script and back and forth uh-huh. 
how the hell did you fix yourself? Is, is cinema what fixed you, or <laughs> like, what's your story? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's kind of... It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a tough question. I mean, Nobody I else asked of, you this question? Uh, no, no, no. Welcome to Geekscape, where we psychoanalyze directors. <laughs> she should have um, warned you. Karen, the publicist, should have warned you. Uh, welcome to Geekscape. We, we bring it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, we call I mean, me a dumb American. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm from Texas. <laughs> so what is it? I mean, how, 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 I mean... Because your insecurities, they still exist. We're human beings. Yeah. What makes you secure as a filmmaker? I've, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, I kind of, uh, I mean, I grew up on a, you know, I was raised by by my parents, but I was also kind of half raised by people like Zemeckis and Spielberg mm-hmm. and Cameron. And, and you know, I've, I've, I've grown up on movies and I have a sort of a, an unhealthy relationship with genre films and I've dissected films and, and, uh, and, yeah, I just eat, drink, and sleep movies, and and uh, I guess you know when it when it came to the crunch, and I was like, you know, well, I want to make my first feature. I'd like to take a subject matter I know something about. And this is your first feature. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. hit it out of the park. Oh, thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Well, I wanted to take something that I knew, that I knew, you know, that I know about, but combine it with that sort of geeky love I have for for genre yeah. films, you know, and 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 ultimately sort of create something that hopefully feels a little bit fresh, and it's not you know yet another zombie film or yet another overly whatever. sound designed scare movie like yeah. th- doesn't yeah. that drive you nuts uh, you know, overly che- sounded did I hear that did I not hear that like yeah. give us the did I hear that did I not hear that rather than these loud noises that mm-hmm. are the cause from the fear yes. like it's just well cheap frights are sort of you know as, as bad as you know it, it, to me those kind of those kind of films like I say you know they, they, they I guess the key word for me is atmosphere yeah right? It's like you know, and creating that that sense of dread and, and mistrust in your environment is, I mean, it's not easily done. Um, it does require the perfect marriage between the visuals and the sound, um, and in every department, the production design's got to complement the costume design's got to all these kind of subjective things to do with, like, you know, for example, you know, the rectangle became a huge thing for me in the movie mm. because you know, the 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 thing that represents the greatest threat to an agoraphobic the, the threshold that I can't walk through is a door right? yes and you do and shoot through a lot of doorways in this a lot thing. of doorways that shape is also the tower you know it's also a tombstone it's also and we you know we tried to keep Tommy always framed within a rectangle mm-hmm. you know and so that he's, he's always trapped he's always a prisoner of this tower even if he's you know no matter where he is um, and I, I want the filmmakers who are listening to this, uh, and I know you guys are all out there, um, to think about that because I think I don't think enough filmmakers think uh, about that internalization when they're only thinking about shots and they're only thinking about things like, um, you know, shot listing or storyboarding and stuff like that. Think about the why filmmakers. Like you're getting it right here from Karen, right? There's a why that you guys need to think about, and that's why I say you maybe didn't have the biggest budget. You maybe didn't have everything you wanted. Yeah, but you put it where it mattered, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you've well, we twenty three days to shoot this film, and so it was like you know when that's you're, crazy when you're shooting four <laughs> or five pages a day. You know, it's like it's it's uh, and also we we shot you know during it was the worst winter. Yeah, that, it looked cold that, as hell. That yeah, movie. Glasgow's ever had, and and you know we shot for a week before the snow hit. Yeah. So you know when the snow hit. A lot of locations became inaccessible, and sometimes you know you're finding a location the night before you're shooting in it the next yeah. day, and and so to sort of you know maintain that you know those visual rules and stuff is not easy, um, but 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 I think they're important because um, 
you know, I guess what I learned, you know, through the years and stuff, and especially, you know, making a lot of shorts and stuff, is that, you know, f what first got me into filmmaking, what, when I first started to flex my muscles, was pretty much sort of copying shots from mm -hmm. movies, you know, looking at that great piece of staging and blocking and just copying it. And what you start to realize as time goes on is that, you know, the, the, the masters of, of that kind of stuff, like they, you know, the, the, there's, there's, there's some form of either thematic or organic reason why that move, that camera move happens or why the framing has got to be that kind of way. And, and, and when you're just referencing other movies, inevitably you're just going to become derivative, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to create something derivative. And I think that if you can just sort of, you know, yeah, you know, everyone who's inspired you will always be floating around in your head somewhere, and that's cool. But I think if you can look at your own movie and sort of say, what is this about? What makes visual sense in this? You know, uh, you know, if if I, you know, what can I not do? You yeah. know, and, yeah. and, and 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 stuff like that. What would pull somebody out of this character moment? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and and. Uh, in a way, the more I kind of find, you know, the more visual and sonic rules that you give yourself, uh, the, the easier your decision-making process is on yeah. set, you know. So when those things like not finding a location until the night before happen, yeah. you're actually making things easier on yourself rather than having to answer a million more questions on well, the day. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, rather than sort of, you know, considering 250 different <laughs> angles to shoot the scene from. You're, everybody's you know. looking at you, too. Like, I've been in those situations. The DP, everybody's looking at you. Yeah. yeah have answers yeah. for them. Exactly, you know. And th those are free things. That's just time. That's prep. That's, uh -huh, yeah, uh -huh, that, that's yeah. on you. Totally, you know. And it's like, it's that phrase that there's, like, I'm paraphrasing, it was like, you know, there's a David Fincher thing where he says, you know, there's a hundred different ways to shoot a scene. Yeah. You know, and 99 of them are wrong. You know, yeah. and it's like that if you've kind of explored and given yourself the proper sort of, uh, you know, visual rules and why it's got to be shot this way and it can't be shot any other way, it makes your decisions so easy. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, I think... I think Karen's got a bunch of good stuff that you guys, uh, you know, may may want to think about. If you guys are filmmakers, absolutely, you're, you're going to want to think about it. And uh, the movie is out in the states. Is that what you said, Karen? When's the movie out? out in November ninth. November ninth, the movie comes out here in the states. All right. So bring your parents for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Mom, Dad, you want to see this movie about a guy whose wife gets beaten into a coma and then something gets injected into her belly? Um, no, uh, honestly, guys, if you, if you, I think this is a fun movie, and I, I think what's going to happen is you guys are going to go out for Halloween. You're going to see a bunch of very derivative Halloween like horror movies, and you're not going to be satisfied. And what I'm telling you guys right now, a month out, is that there's a movie that is about fear, is about terror, and honestly, like it was autobiographical in, in a lot of ways. Uh, about fear and that's that's waiting for you all right so uh november 9th you get to actually see a movie that is scary and you know and and has a lot of cool internal like psychology stuff to it yeah i think it might i think it's gonna uh, you know from festivals it, it appeals to people who aren't even fans of horror i think you know right i think that's important that crossover yeah i think that's important i think i think i think fans of horror can create a very like narrow tunnel vision to what's good and what's not and, right. and it just cuts them off to movies like this that are about a lot more things than just the genre that they love okay you know yeah. there's only so many Jason movies you can make buddy there's only so <laughs> many scary ghost movies you can make yeah right yeah, you gotta tell that to the studios because right. you can just keep making them <laughs> well do you want to work for the studios <laughs> <laughs> you want somebody to slap you with a superhero movie like what do you want uh -huh. we, we can make some phone calls we're here in Hollywood we can make some phone calls and get you yeah. a superhero movie you want one yeah or another Jason that's, that's, that's get re, you a, I'll that's get you like Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. 
All right, we'll reboot yeah. it again in the first, like within five years of the last one. Let's right. do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, all right. So, guys, the movie is called Citadel. Uh, look for it in theaters in a month uh, on the 9th of November, and also look, look for it on VOD and stuff. You know, if you're not one of the 20 cities that it's playing, but I think I think that's that's really great for a festival movie to get 20 screens. Like that's a success. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of those movies get like thrown under the rug, and yeah. hopefully you go, you know you guys go out there and it'll build from there. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. Well, Karen, thanks for coming right. on yeah. Geekscape. Thanks for having me. What's next for you? Oh, I'm writing a science fiction film. Awesome. So, uh, that's what's next. Oh, welcome to Geekscape. We're now your biggest fans. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you brought the right you, you brought you brought them to the right place. <laughs> Great, cool. You, you didn't warn them that I was going to psychoanalyze them, though. <laughs> so uh, maybe next time. Next time you're on Geekscape with your sci-fi movie, we're going to talk about that. Okay. All cool. right. We'll see you on Twitter. What's your Twitter? Uh, Citadel Foy. Okay, Citadel Foy. F O Y. Yeah. And uh, we'll hit you up on there. All right, guys, I'm at Jonathan Leonard on Twitter. This is Geekscape.net. Thanks again, Kieran, for coming on. Great. And we'll see you guys next time.